Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast. I am faithful. And for the faithful, I'm Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. I've been out driving a bit on these wicked streets. And mm. uh, take it easy out there. Um, first day snowfall, and man, uh, I was following this vehicle this morning, and it was fishtailing just endlessly. Uh-huh. I didn't even want to go beside him because I thought he'd fishtail no right kidding. in. Slow down, like you just take your when you're going to accelerate, just take your foot off the brake if you're in an automatic, and the gas will push your car forward, and then just ease on that gas. You know, don't crank it. Anyway, that's my advice, and, and give yourself plenty of space between vehicles and plenty of space to slow down at intersections. Lessons to be relearned every October. Indeed, yeah, and I need to relearn them as much as anyone. I have not a perfect record of driving on ice myself, so. The footing was pretty good, but the <clears throat> roads, you know, you got melting and then freezing, right? Yeah. I went, I went for my walk this morning, 6K, and I one time I slipped was on the bridge. Cool. I walked across the crossway on the Ray Gibbon Bridge on the just on the sidewalk there and took a little little tiny skid there, and otherwise it was a crunchy underfoot, but... Good. It was a little cold, but it was, you know, the the footing was no concern. Excellent. You're keeping up your uh, daily really? walk up. Bruce, we got a little news. Of course, the news mm-hmm. came out yesterday. So we're responding to actually uh, a number of little pieces of news. The One huge one, Connor McDavid being out one to two weeks. Um, there's also a, a weird kind of, as much as anything else in the internet controversy, about what a, a, an interview of Andrew Kane gave to Scott Oak on the weekend and we'll talk about that we'll talk about the sam gagne signing and we'll you know we'll try to dig in a little bit about how the orders might react and do with mcdavid out for uh, one to two weeks as has been reported um it looked like something to do with either his ribs or his hip or something something in that midsection area of the body um to me from where he was feeling and um uh, where they were looking at kind of so um above the hip uh, in the lo- lower back, but on the side. Uh, I believe that's the area where the oblique is. That's that's one speculation I heard. And one to two weeks is pretty standard fare for an oblique strain. So it's consistent. But all I know is that he got checked and checked very hard by Josh Morrissey. I saw the replay. Uh, and I do think he was already nursing something, but Morrissey uh, came down took him down pretty hard and what would have been probably four or six minutes and penalties in the first two periods of the game was of course nothing at that time in the third period of a tie game but it should have been a penalty was it in the third whatever. that he got hit like that well i believe so because they showed that yeah okay. he was going in the right direction for it to be the third it could have been the first i guess i'm it was morrissey anyway and it was it was um I won't say aggressive, but it was, he definitely impeded his progress, which when you see the penalties that the Nuge in particular got in that game, yeah, you wonder what the standard is or if there even is one sometimes. But. Uh, same old, same old day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so McDavid outburst, they've got um, still three pretty good centers, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and um, Ryan McLeod. Um, right now, at even strength, Dreisaitl has been crushing it. Um, mm-hmm. He's creating scoring chances at a high rate, and his defensive play at even strength has been, you know, I scolded him for an overtime mistake. We both did. 
uh, in the last game against the Jets, I was none too happy. But overall, Drysaddle's been a solid uh, defensive center as well so far this year at even strength. Um, Nuge is off to a good start between center and wing. And McLeod has been a bit underwhelming, um, both on the attack and especially on the attack, somewhat defensively. He's got to crank it up. Of course, he was injured all preseason, so yeah, yeah. we have to factor that in. Yes, we do. <clears throat> Bruce, um, in terms of what do you? I guess if there's top lines right now, I guess I'd be going with Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, Fogle, Holloway, and and. I'd go with you know I I I'd, I'd go with Connor Brown. Yeah, I, I think okay. Connor Brown has actually been by the way we're measuring the game. He's been the worst orders forward. Mm-hmm. He's hardly created anything on the attack. He has not been that great defensively. But um, I just have some belief. I I think this player is. I think if you just give him a boost here, I think it's much more likely that he's going to crank it up than Evander Kane is. Uh, frankly, I just don't see it with Kane. I think that he's got. Um, I don't think this is confidence or a drought. I, I'm I, I'm thinking this. If he's going to come around, it's going to take a, quite a while for him to get his hands back. And um, I'm because that's what I'm not seeing is his dexterity with the puck or his ability to make difficult plays at, under pressure. I don't think that comes back um, game to game. I think what what we're seeing is what we saw last year after he came back. And until I see otherwise, Bruce, I'm just going to go, this is Evander Kane. But I think Connor Brown can, can step up and perform well in the top six. Um, he's shaking rust off. But I, yeah. I, I think he's, he's able to make good plays with the puck. And um, he's getting close. So that's what I'd do. What about you? Yeah. It's a, I, I do think this is an opportunity and maybe the time to move Dylan Holloway up the lineup. I know there's... Yeah. Lots of experts out there on Oilers Twitter have been screaming for it since the beginning of the season. But in in truth, he's played well. And some of the guys that would be deemed as competition have not been playing particularly well. Uh, And now there's an opening on the top six. So um, my personal temptation would be to give him a look in uh, one of those positions, presumably left wing. Uh, To me, it's pretty clear they'll build two lines around, one around dry saddle, the other around Nugent Hopkins. And normally one of those guys plays center and one plays wing, but normally McDavid is there and now he's not. So they'll use them both at at center on their own lines, I would suspect. And it's just a matter of mixing and matching wingers to go in there with it, with uh, with those guys. I, I'd love to, and I've been pushing for this for some time. I'd like to see a checking line at this point of McLeod, Jan Mark, and Ryan. I mm-hmm. think they could be really effective. Yep, Derek Ryan has been grossly underused so far this year. He was a super solid winger in the playoffs. He's a mm-hmm. super smart player, great defensive player. And that would leave Kane and um, Ernie as, as the fourth line, which you think, oh, that, that's unacceptable, you, you know, for Kane and the team and everyone's expectations. But with bumping Kane up to the top power play unit, and, um, you know, as long as they use the fourth line of him and Ernie, I, I think that would be um, – he's going to get his, his ch- chance to score on the power play. And then just at even strength, um, Holloway's outplayed him. It's not close. And um, he deserves to be ahead of him. Fogel deserves to be ahead of him. Hyman does. And um, does Brown, I mean, you could go with Kane if you want uh, over Brown. There's an argument for that. But I I, I would go with Brown over Kane on that and put uh, Kane on the fourth line. 
That's, yeah. It's not going to happen, it's I know. Easier said than done. Yeah, it's not going to happen. There's there's internal pressures, and Kane has already kind of made his opinion clear, and he, like Brown, I mean, he's showing signs of rust as well, and they're both coming off of, you know, injury-plagued seasons, let's put it that way. Um, and uh, Kane has, you know, the Oilers need offense, and Kane is a proven 30-goal scorer, and Connor Brown is a 20-goal scorer. You know, but and frankly, there's probably room for both of them uh, in the top six. But there, there's different ways to play it. And I'm, I'm not sure the delineation top to bottom six is going to be quite so strong either. Although, I guess yeah. if Brian McLeod is your 3C, then you're probably not going to get a ton of scoring out of your third line, which has been the experience so far. But you know, I, I, if they go with Kane or Brown, it doesn't really like. I'm like, I don't have a, that strong a feeling about it. I do have a strong feeling about Holloway moving up, though. Mm-hmm. They need, yeah, with, especially without McDavid's speed, they need someone who can fly uh, in, in getting top six minutes, and that's the only one there who flies is right. Dylan Holloway. Yeah. Fogel's Fogel's a fast player, but he doesn't fly mm-hmm. like Holloway does. So, okay. anyway, we'll see what happens. That's what I'd like to see. So the the other interesting news is Kane. He's moving up to the top power play unit. Hyman's going to play um, on the side net front. I, net front for Holloway. Bumper for Kane. What's my net front understanding? For, for, I'm sorry Holloway. for uh, for no, for Hyman. Oh, Kane net front the, for Hyman. Kane in the bumper. Uh, Nuge in the left circle, Drysaddle right. in the right circle, and Bouchard, of course. That's not, that's not a bad point. formation. I mean, you it's know, basically I, what they are now, although McDavid doesn't play bumper. McDavid plays skate around like crazy and confuse the other team, which I remember us talking about that in the Cult of Hockey here podcast maybe three years ago, saying the order's power play needs to do is get McDavid moving. They were too stationary, and then they started moving, and then they started scoring like crazy. Well, it's just so I think it's example. because obviously the coaches were listening to us again. We could just, <laughs> it's such a long list that they have stolen mm. from us without any credit that it's like, you know, the zone defense mm. uh, all summer long railing on about it. I was, and yeah, finally well, they take me up on it. Yeah. Let's take credit for that when it starts working, shall we? Oh, that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. That's, that's a very the good power play has working, been working pretty good. But, I think uh, the zone defense has been working. It's just their neutral zone stuff that hasn't been mm-hmm. working. Their neutral zone stuff, where they, they've been they've been allowing goals off the rush, yeah. not so much um, off uh, the cycle. It's the rush that's killing them again and again and again. Okay, um, so there's this con- controversy with Evander Kane right now. So he's it's between periods. Yeah, he, I think in the first period he played about three minutes. Probably in the second period, not much more. But he got in a fight with um, Brendan Dillon of the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. And Scott Oak asks him, um, you know, you got in a fight with uh, your former teammate. Was this a way for you to get yourself going, was the question. And Kane's answer was, well, I didn't play much in the first period, I think. I didn't play much. And uh, so then I thought I might as well take get in a fight and sit seven minutes in the penalty box. I think that was his answer. Um, Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, close enough. So it's kind of a, when I first heard it, my initial reaction was Bruce, like my initial honest reaction was he's, it was, was that, a, did he just complain about his ice time? That's what I thought. But Bruce, that is mind reading. Mm-hmm. That is, that is, I imagine that. I have no, I, I really don't know what he was saying. Honestly, 
and and so that's why I I don't know if we commented on it after the game. I don't think we did. It, it seemed like it might be some kind of cryptic thing, but who knows? Uh, he's he's a he's a highly in, whatever else you want to say about Evander King, he is highly intelligent, and he's got his he, he thinks his own thoughts. He's got his own mind. That's for and sure. if you if you're sitting there on your couch and thinking. Oh, I know for sure what Evander Kane's thinking and doing. I think you're kidding yourself. And then, so, but what's happened since then is this has escalated into on the internet into inter- internal dissension on oh, the yeah. oil, leading mm-hmm. to problems. And um, so, anyway, this came up today. Must be two days off between games, David. This came up today at the Oilers press conference, and. Um, Let's just go. Uh, I'll first um, go with Jay Woodcroft's response. Now we don't do this often, so there's going to be. This is Ryan Ryan Rashog. He's asking uh, Jay Woodcroft the question about this between periods interview with Scott Oak and Evander Kane, and I've I've missed the first few words of it, but uh, here's here is Jay Woodcroft's answer. Now where's my cursor? There we go. An interview at intermission last game, and he said, I didn't play much in the period, so I thought I'd go out and get in a scrap and sit in the box. Some view that as a guy complaining about ice time. I, I don't necessarily, but how do I you- see that as a positive. I saw somebody that was frustrated with the way the first two periods uh, went in terms of the amount of penalties taken. If you look at that first two periods, I think both teams took five five penalties each that led to power play. So that's 20 out of the 40 minutes. As soon as you scrape off half, half of the available game in terms of, uh, you know, rhythm and stuff, you're not getting into a rhythm. So, uh, like I said, I saw some positives in his, in his game as the game wore on, as I said, he got physical, got in a fight. I thought the team responded to some good things and, you know, uh, I don't see that as a negative at all. I see it as someone who's passionate and uh, wants to get into a rhythm and wants to play. Uh, Jay, what have you seen? Okay, now, uh, Bruce, uh, that, so that's Woodcroft's response. Let's just talk about it first. Um, <clears throat> doesn't sound like the coach, at least, took it as a shot at him in any way. No. Or if he did, he's he's if he did, he doesn't give a crap about it. Um Anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't, it looks like um, he read it as Kane just um, not liking the ice time because uh, of the, all the penalties and wanting to get involved in the game and doing so, which is, you know, the, the one thing um, Jay Woodcroft has that all the mind readers and people who think they know what Evander Kane says that Jay Woodcroft has that they don't have is he has the ability to go talk to Evander Kane in private if he thinks there's been something said and deal with it. Maybe that happened. Maybe there was no issue. Maybe there was an issue. Or maybe it's just Woodcroft says, like, this was just, this is nothing. This is just uh, a guy just stating the obvious and wanting to get in the game and doing so. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I was wondering why they were even interviewing Kane at that point because he hadn't, you know, he wasn't exactly a central player in the action on Saturday. But uh, one thing he, you can count on him doing is speaking his mind, and the second thing you can count on him doing is making a smart-ass comment at some point, and that's just the way he is. You know, yeah. and you, you can either accept that or you can get mad about it if you want, but I don't think it's going to change him. And I, I, to me, it was just a, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a, a smart-aleck comment because there was a microphone in front of him, and they asked him a, you know, question. 
All right, let's go now. I'm not worried about it, but uh, (laughs) if you on Oilers Twitter want to get worried about it, be my guest, fill your boots. Here's, uh, so now we'll go back to the uh, audio, Bruce, we'll roll audio, and uh, I don't know how this is working out, but. uh, Sounded good at this end. All right, well, here's Evander Kane, again, Rashog, following up. As a good reporter should do, Mm -hmm. he's asked the coach, and now he has a chance to talk to the player, and he's asking the exact same question. This is excellent work. This is excellent, like being fair to Evander Kane, yep. and um, and asking him the, the the question, giving him every chance to respond. Excellent work, Ryan Rashad. Here we go. You uh, did an interview the other night that lots of people ended up talking about. Uh, didn't get much ice time in the first period, so he we went out and found a fight. To some view that as a guy complaining about ice time. How did you, how did you meet it? Well, it's easy. It's, it's really easy to view that complaint about ice time when you don't when they don't clip the question uh, and they just clip my answer, right? So like a lot of the times, you know, I've talked about the media. They, there's always a lack in context, and and that was a great example of. Uh, at something being taken, a quote for me, without even there being a question involved, um, so people can take it as they may. And to be honest, even if you just look at the question or the answer, I just laid out the facts. I did play three minutes that period. I did get into a fight. And I did sit in the box for eight minutes. So I was just laying out the facts. <laughs> You're gonna get some more stuff. All right. So, you know what? His complaint about the media is excellent. And um, one of the things we're finding in this video age, Bruce, is we will see clips of people talking it's a huge on the internet. Problem. Everyone gets, I get fooled. Yep. I'm not going to speak for you. It's I easy get, to get fooled. fooled. Easy it is to get so fooled. easy to get fooled because something has been taken out of context. Bruce, it is one of the mm-hmm. biggest problems of our public life right now is people, I heard it on the internet. I heard him say that with his own words. When mm-hmm. it's been taken out of context, um, they don't add in something else. The, the, they don't add in the question, or they don't add in the some, something else the person said to fully explain themselves. And so, anytime you hear something on the internet, uh, a clip, try to hear the question, try to get the full context before you get on your get on the social media yourself and and react. And uh, it's not always easy to do so. But Kane's overall, uh, just just in terms of um, critique of the media, is fair. And uh, I don't know. He, he, I think he, I think your interpretation is right. He was, he's, he was a smart aleck in that answer to Oak. He's a smart aleck in his answer to Rashog on a certain level. Although Kane himself, I think, um, ha, ha, you know, he's, he has not led a perfect life. But in, in terms of the media covering Evander Kane, I think he's got some fair things to, to complain about. He has been, um, he's had some hard things said about him. And he hasn't always had the chance to respond in the same article and, you know, have his side. Um, so anyway, there we are. Thoughts? Yeah, well, I've done some interviews myself over the years with, um, uh, you know, newspaper reporters uh, and so on, where you have a 15-minute interview and then they pick out one or two quotes out of it and put it in the article they're writing in the paper, typically about astronomy, is my experience. And... Often the the chosen quotes are not exactly core to what I thought I said to them, and it just is you know it's sort of a random, um, you know, chosen quote. And it's very easy to to pick something, put it out of context, uh, and I'm not going to lose any sleep over 
what what Evander Kane said in any event, because as as mentioned, that's just part of his persona. He's a you know he's a brash guy. He's in your face. He's in the opponent's face. I mean, hopefully, Oilers fans appreciate that aspect of him. Um, he's the most said. self. He's he he presents as the most self confident Oiler. Very. He he like he. Uh, <laughs> He has a strong sense of himself, who he is, what he's done in life. What does that mean? Oh, the seven. Oh, the seven. We're going to game seven. Yeah. And the San Jose and, fan said, look, he's celebrating. they got seven goals in the series. What a selfish player. He's not even thinking about the team. And you read his lips and he's saying, game seven, baby. You know what? I don't know how it Typical. plays. His, yeah, I don't. And I don't know how his personality plays out in his in his private life. I don't. You know, or in the room, or in the room, David. That room. fractured, divided Oilers dressing room right now. But I think I think people don't do the mind reading thing. You just look <laughs> silly every single time. That's what I say to people. Don't just don't do it. Don't do it to me. Don't do it to Bruce. Don't do it to Evander Kane. Don't do it to anyone. You you can't read their minds. If you have a question, ask them. Jay Woodcroft, on the other hand, has has gone out of his way to to uh, hold the kids back now though because we can read his mind and we know exactly what's going on in there well we can tell from the actions with the coach what they're doing but yeah we, we do not know what jay woodcroft is thinking right either and like we can go by what he says so uh, but you know what I, and again i don't know how anything with kane his personality plays out in his life but i know how it plays out on the ice and it, it is a crucial aspect of how he plays hockey and it is it is huge for the Oilers. Why? Which is why, actually, if he can come back, it would be so huge for the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers, because that combination of ferocity, intimidation, um, arrogance, uh, self confidence, self belief, and if you mix that with skill, that is an ingredient that you need on a Stanley Cup winning team. And um, Kane might not be able to bring so much skill as he's brought in the past, but he's he's still gonna he's still bringing that physical element. Yes. He's still bringing his hitting and his fighting and his intimidating. And if he can find a role on the team just doing that in a third line capacity, mm-hmm. let's say, I'm okay with that. I th- that's that's a player who helps you win. Mm-hmm. Now he's got to you know, and, and if he starts making, I I think the hands are going to come as the season goes on a bit. So I think he's. Uh, I think he's still going to make a valuable contribution to the Oilers. Now, what we're going to hear all year long is, well, he's a $5 million a year player. He's mm-hmm. not living up to that. It's it, That's a moot point on a certain level. I mean, a terrible injury yeah. happened that yeah. nobody anticipated. An absolutely ghastly, horrible thing happened to Evander Kane in a hockey game where he got his, his arm slit by a skate. He's not the same still player out it's, it was horrible. But still grosses he, me out. I hear you. I, I don't even like talking about it. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but uh, you know, so he's not going to be the player he was before that injury, probably. But he can still be mm-hmm. a player who helps you win. Yeah. And then his salary cap, his his cap hit is like a different. That's a different issue. Yeah. And if he helps this team win, I'm I'm cool with Evander Kane on the Edmonton Oilers uh, for yeah. this season at least, because there's no mo- trading him or moving him or anything like. So, well, if I'm the coach, because I'm such a great mind reader myself, I'm assuming this is what Jay Woodcroft is thinking, but I could be wrong. Uh, I'd be playing the hell out of Evander Kane's next little while because I think the gauntlet has kind of been dropped. And if I'm the coach, I'm going to that guy and I'm saying, You show me. I'm going to give you all the chance in the world. You show me, you, you know. 
you got dropped down a little bit for a reason. I'm sure it was a penalty-filled game, but uh, your performance wasn't up to it. So raise your game. You know, we give you we give you a chance. You want to keep the chance. You know, play better. So that's exactly what I said I wouldn't do. But you know what? You just you convinced me, Bruce. I I, I changed my opinion. I, yeah. I think that your psych that's the, your psychology. You know, that's the correct psychology, probably. Is you know, what have they got to lose on a certain level? It's Connor Brown or Evander Kane. Well, they got three more Thank- years of Evander Kane to lose. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to lose the player at the same time. You know what? Now, I mean, <coughs> presumably they they're, they wouldn't lose all of the player, but uh, yeah. if they were to stick him on the fourth line now during this time that the team is, you know, needing all hands on deck, I don't see that as likely to land very well. Wise words. I agree with you. Yeah. You convince me. I, I it's uh throw see what he's got. And and you put know on power play. I mean you got a spot put the, there. Put him on the top power play, put him on the second line or the third line as uh, first line, try Sutter and see what he's got. And um, you know, Brown can be on the checking line. Um, that works too. So uh yeah, why not? It's not like they've got great solutions for that, you know. As long as Holloway's in the top six, I'm not going to complain um, about who the last member of that that unit is. I would not like to see though Brown and Kane with Nuge. I just don't see that working. They got to they've got to they've got to get that speed up at the top of the lineup. So that's what I'm hoping to yeah. see. Well, they already played. They started the season with McDonald or McDavid, those two, and then they both wound up playing with um, McLeod, same two. Maybe it's time to put them on different lines because obviously they're not clicking yeah. together. So we may well see that. We may see Brown and Kane elevated to the top six with um, Fogel and Hyman. That would probably be the safest bet, actually. It could again, be I Holloway guess. and Hyman, and you could put Fogel, McLeod, Janmark. That would be a pretty fine checking line, in my opinion. But Yeah. I'm actually. Or Ryan. So I'm actually kind of intrigued to see how the orders respond here to losing McDavid. I mean, I don't want to ever see Connor McDavid get hurt or get injured or be out of the games. It's the last thing I want to see. Now that it's happened, though, I'm just so relieved that it's not two months yeah. or three months. It's yes. one or two weeks, it sounds like. So so that's my first thought. Like, he was all clearly hurt. So my first thought is, okay, I don't want to see that, but I'm so glad. But my second thought is, this is intriguing. This is really interesting to see... Um, you know, th- this is a team that absolutely needs to dedicate itself to defensive hockey. They're working on new systems. They, um, I think they've been playing the zone okay in their own zone, but they ha- their neutral zone trap has not been working. They've been too high up. Uh, their defensemen have been too high up on the puck in the neutral zone and getting beat on long passes repeatedly, Bruce. Mm-hmm. This is the major problem is these defensemen getting – just getting whipped by fast forwards, cutting in behind them, taking passes, and Evan Bouchard's popping in my head right now. But it's not just been Evan Bouchard, it's been Ackholm, it's been other players, Kulak, too high up. So um, I, I'm just, okay, you can't, you don't have Connor McDavid. You're not going to score five goals. You've got to win a two-to-one game against the Minnesota uh, Wild. Can you win a two-to-one game? Can you play that game? Can you dedicate yourself to that? You don't look convinced that they're going to do that, and and you shouldn't be convinced. I'm not, but I'm intrigued by that idea that maybe this will spur them on to do it. 
Well, McDavid missed six games in 2019-20. This was in February, and the Oilers were in the thick of a playoff hunt. What they couldn't afford was a six-game losing streak because McDavid was out. They didn't have to win every game. Uh, But what they did do is they went 3-2-1 for seven points in six games. Just sort of, you know, treading water in the Batman standings of the NHL. But tread water they did. And the big thing that happened there was... uh, uh, well, one thing, the penalty kill came together and didn't allow a power play goal for six games. Uh, the uh, Oilers, uh, they won three games, and they were 5-3, 4-3, 4-3. Same kind of scores they usually win by, where they get to four and the other guys don't. And even without McDavid, they had the capability of putting a four spot on the board. And then in the other games, three other games, it was like, they lost 3-1 and 2-1 in shootout or overtime, I think it was, you know. And, and But they did tighten up defensively. Uh, the other thing that happened was uh, in McDavid's absence, the Oilers have a pretty good uh, second fiddle that they can put out there to be, you know, the, the game started and there's Leon Drysaddle, big Leon Drysaddle playing center on the first line. And you know what? He looked totally at home yeah. in that role. He's probably better than the best player on 25 other NHL teams, conservatively. Uh, Yeah, well, you know. uh, So you don't have them together anymore, obviously, with McDavid out. But uh, Drysaddle as your 1C, you know, that's not the worst possible scenario. And he went out and scored uh, 12 points out of the 18 goals that the Oilers scored in those six games. He raised his game. And frankly, David, he won the Hart Trophy in that six-game span yep. where the Oilers didn't have McDavid. And people were saying, well, Drysdale's only pumping in the po- points because he's playing with McDavid. Took a step back and went, holy crap, look at that. And he was the, fir- the three games they won, he was the first star in all three games. So he hugely raised. His, I mean, he was already playing great, but he, you know, he 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 matched, stepped up to the challenge, and he was a team leader in every way you could hope for. And so obviously that's what we're hoping for again in the current scenario. All right. There's one other piece of news: Sam Gagne, um, mm-hmm. third time with the Oilers. Is that correct? Third time? It's not fourth, is it? Uh, third time in the organization. Yes. Yeah, third time not the with the Oilers just yeah. yet. Third time in the organization, he signed a year-long minor league contract, right. correct? So that's interesting. I mean, he's coming off some major uh, surgeries on his hips, I understand. Um, he is not a young player anymore. He's been slowing down a few years. But, it, you know, he he um, his father is close to Jeff Jackson, extremely close. They were business partners in the Sam agency. Sam is close. And I just think, um, if nothing else, this is Sam... Um, easing into a coaching job and an organizational job. He's going to just not just be a player down there, but he's going to be working with the players. And mm-hmm. as insurance, like an insurance insurance player, uh, in theory for the NHL, if he shows he's up to it at the AHL level. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Adam Erne has not yet been tearing up the pea patch. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, um, they have other players that, you know, Raphael Lebois comes to mind who might actually help. If they could call up someone right now, they can't, I don't believe, because of the salary cap. <laughs> Unless they send someone down. It's money in, money out, as uh, Ken Holland is wont to say. They could send Ernie down and then yes. and have Lavoie up. Or Lane uh, Peterson up or James Hamlin. I think they'd probably call up a center. 
if they do anything, but yeah, I don't think they're going to do anything. And, and again, I'm I'm not even advocating for that to happen myself because Adam Ernie, for some reason, was you know their pick. He's the guy they picked. Um, I'm going to defer for the for the time being mm-hmm. to that and see him in more than five games. It's not really fair to right. to judge a player. Let's let's wait. I, I want to wait to 15, 20 games, you know, before I would start to really harshly criticize the coach. <laughs> All right. Well, Ernie's only played three of the five games. There you go. And I think, what's he averaging? Nine minutes a game. You know, like he hasn't even played a half hour of ice time yet. So it's uh, it's hard to have too high expectations in that short span. But All we can have is a first impression, and mine yes. isn't good. But that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's a first impression. Yeah, he looks slow to me, and that's a, that's a real problem. Yeah. I would rather. And, of course, Gagne has looked slow to me almost since came here like even when he was uh, you know putting up the points he was never a speedster uh, but uh, he himself said that after the hip surgeries he there's quoted today saying he's skating better than he has for years and he didn't want to give it up without giving another giving himself another shot at it and obviously his objective is the brad malone um um, trajectory of signing an AHL deal and then when the big team was in trouble uh, he got upgraded to an NHL contract and called up and that may well happen with Sam at some point or it could never happen uh, and then I also agree that his secondary or long-term objective is to land some kind of job within the game and Jeff Jackson who was his first agent and who he was Jeff Jackson's first client uh, and he are fairly close. His dad, of course, is uh, is close as well. And his dad worked for uh, Jeff Jackson's um, uh, scouting group as a skills instructor. And so that's one possible role for Sam. And I suspect he'll be on it the day he arrives in Bakersfield, whether it's in his official title or not. He'll be he'll be mentoring uh, younger players and. That's basically what skills instructors do as well. But I think he'll sort of be an in-house, on-team uh, instructor. And uh, it's, um, uh, I don't mind it. I like Sam. He's really smart. He's, you know, he's got a lot of hockey knowledge. And I think he's got a lot of potential as a, as a uh, you know, in the, in the hockey market uh, in a different role once his playing days are done. I, I didn't know he had said that, Daniel, that he's skating better. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter, yeah. And, 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 really, really encouraging. And I, I wish him the best. I really do. That would be fantastic if he can find a way to work his way into the HL team and then maybe even higher than that. Uh, exact quote. Yeah. Well, that's, that's okay. I think you got the gist of it, Bruce. If you can't find it, that's okay. Yeah. Alrighty, oh, any oh, other? Here's the quote. Okay. Uh, this is from Ryan Holt of the Condors. Great perspective from San Gagne after practice today. Quote, not playing was never an option. I haven't felt this good skating in a long time, and I'm here to help this team. Damn straight. I'm just happy to be here and hope I can help the ball club. There you go. <laughs> Nuke Final Lush, as trained by Crash Davis. Yeah. Final thoughts or... Any thoughts or? 
well, I found it interesting. The order said one to two weeks, and they they put out their press release, and the timing of the release was one week and 15 minutes before puck drop of next Sunday's Heritage Classic. So I'm not ruling out McDavid returning for that game. You know he wants to play in it. 60,000 fans that are going to that game want to see him in it, and I would caution that there's got to be a caveat that you're not rushing it for that game. But if they're saying one to two weeks, well, it could be one week. He's been known to be a, a fast healer in, in the past. I'm defaulting to two weeks, which would be five games. Uh, and what they can't afford is another one, three and one, right? They're already one, three and one. They can't do it again for five games. They're, they're going to be swimming uphill for, uh, you can even, Mix your mangle your metaphors any worse than that. Uh, they'll be swimming uphill for weeks slash months if they get off to a two six and two start. So they're not going to win all the games, but they they have to hold their own, and they basically have to do what they did in 2020 when they survived a two week absence from their superstar player. And uh, recipe is more or less the same. Dry saddle in the feature role, and everybody else uh, uh, grabs an oar and contributes you can hard to you swim can, uphill if you're not rowing hard after all okay right? well you can swim uphill <laughs> like swim like uh surfboarders swim uphill right because they go up the wave so you oh, can okay. swim up wave okay. you can you know they ride up the wave and then they come down it so there you go all right bruce thanks for talking today yeah, thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>